Welcome back to the Sean S. Show. Today, we're going to be talking about the Arizona Senate election between incumbent Democrat Mark Kelly and his most formidable declared Republican challenger, Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. We'll be taking a look at where this race stands so far, what polling has to say, fundraising numbers, and more. Today, July 9th, 2021. From Anchor by Spotify, this is the Sean S. Show, a podcast about the interesting and ever-changing world of American politics from the perspective of a 15-year-old, with me, your host, Ishan. Welcome back to the Sean S. Show. It's great to have you back on. Before we get started, I just wanted to let anybody who didn't know already that I will not be posting new episodes of the show on Tuesdays for the next couple of weeks due to my own personal schedule and growing the show. I'll still be posting new episodes on Fridays like today's, and whenever I do start posting back on Tuesdays, I will let you all know. Anyway, let's get on to today's topic. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Senate race in the state of Arizona. This race is not an open seat. Rather, it is between Democrat incumbent Mark Kelly, who's running for his first full term, and leading Republican challenger Mark Burnovich, who is the attorney general of Arizona. While Republicans haven't had their primary yet, I think Burnovich has the best chance at winning the primary. Unless, of course, another prominent Arizona Republican like Governor Doug Ducey or a representative throws their hat in the ring. Although based on statements and comments from these people, not many people seem very interested in it. So any challenges to Brnovich don't seem very likely at this time. So like my Florida episode, before we get to know the candidates, I want to talk about the politics of the state of Arizona. So Florida is the episode I talked about last week. So we'll compare with uh, Florida. Arizona and Florida are both swing states and they've had close elections. Um, uh, they had close elections in the 2020 election. Now, unlike Florida, though, Arizona has just recently emerged as an electoral battleground. Within the last decade, the state has gone from being a hardcore Republican stronghold to becoming arguably the most purple state in the union. In 2012, Barack Obama lost Arizona by a full nine points. In 2016, Hillary Clinton improved on that margin, but still lost it by four points. And in 2020, Joe Biden won the state by 0.8%. In 2018, Arizona's congressional delegation majority changed from being five Republicans and four Democrats to being five Democrats and four Republicans representing the state in the House. In addition to that, Democrats also won the Senate election there in that same year with Kirsten Sinema winning the seat after former Senator Jeff Merkley stepped down. In 2020, Mark Kelly, the husband of former Representative Gabby Giffords, won a Senate seat or won the Senate seat in a special election, beating incumbent Martha McSally, outperforming President Biden's margin there. In addition to that, Arizona now has a Democratic Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, who is now running for the governorship of the state. Seeing all of these Democratic victories in Republican Arizona, it kind of seems like Arizona is a Democrat state, but I'd like to make it clear that Arizona is not a Democratic state, not yet at least. These huge gains and wins do indicate, however, that Arizona is the fastest emerging swing state in the nation. They went from electing just Republicans in the age of George Bush and John McCain 
to having two Democratic senators, razor-thin statewide election margins, a Democrat majority delegation that sent to the House, and a Democrat to the White House. This election that we are talking about today will definitely be one of the closest elections and the most closely watched elections in the 2022 election. And whoever wins here next year, their party will have all the credibility of either defending the long-standing Republican electoral success in the Southwest or an emerging Democratic acquisition of electoral politics of the region. The beauty of this race is that it is way too hard for anyone to really predict who can win here. And that is because of the candidates that are up for the job. Both of the candidates that I'm going to talk about today are candidates whose success in the state, at least in this day and age, seem very unlikely. Yet somehow these two candidates are the main contenders for the job. Let's take a look at who's running in Arizona's Senate election. Mark Kelly is the incumbent senator for the state of Arizona. He's the one who's running for a, f- a first full term to the office. He started his career in the U.S. Navy as a naval aviator. And in 1996, Kelly and his twin brother Scott were both selected to be space shuttle pilots for NASA as astronauts. He worked with them until 2011. Many uh, Americans recognize Kelly for his work at NASA, but a lot of Americans also know Mark Kelly as the husband of uh, of former U.S. Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. For people who don't know, in January of 2011, Representative Giffords was shot in an assassination attempt in Tucson, which had almost taken her life. Kelly then entered the national spotlight as he cared for his wife, who thankfully got much better. And together in 2013, the couple started a political action committee called Americans for Responsible Solutions, an organization aimed at promoting gun control while respecting the rights Americans have with the Second Amendment. After several years of working for the PAC, which later became known as Giffords, Kelly announced his intention to run for U.S. Senate to represent Arizona. The seat was for a special election after it was left vacant following the unfortunate death of John McCain. Martha McSally was the incumbent Republican senator who was selected by Governor Doug Ducey to represent the state and then run um, in 2020 uh, for the special election there. I think a lot of people on both sides felt like this election, especially following the 2018 midterms, was going to be a very close election and very hard to predict. That's because... Arizona kind of just blew into the Democratic Party in 2018. Like they a lot of things changed in terms of party dynamics in 2018. And Martha McSally, who was running in 2020 as a Republican, had actually run as the Republican in 2018 against Kirsten Sinema. But Martha McSally lost that election. And then Governor Doug Ducey selected Martha McSally to fill John McCain's vacated seat. So there were and then so so people thought that Martha McSally may not have a good shot at winning here despite being a Republican. But then again, Mark Kelly, not many people were sure about him winning because he was a Republican or a Democrat running in a Republican state. So there were a lot of moving pieces here that many people were trying to understand. Although after Kelly won the nomination and as we got closer to the election, it started to become more clear that Kelly was going to win. And on November 4th, Kelly was in fact declared the winner, and he was sworn in uh, in December of 2020. Mark Kelly is a seemingly strong candidate, in my view, for the Democratic Party. 
and a candidate who can really say that he has a realistic shot at winning, not by a fluke, but actually winning. This is because Mark Kelly won as a Democrat in one of the most purple states in the country, outperforming Joe Biden there on the same ballot by two points. What I want to say is that, you know, Arizona is transitioning from being a Republican state to becoming a swing state, not from a Democratic state to uh, to a swing state. It's Republican swing state. So for a Democrat to win in any scenario there, it's still pretty impressive. Now, with that being said, though, this race is definitely Mark Kelly's race to lose. Mark Bernovich is the attorney general of the state of Arizona. He's the son of two immigrants from the former Yugoslavia who fled communism there. He has a long career in law, starting, in, uh, starting his career serving as a command staff judge advocate with the Army National Guard, then as an assistant U.S. attorney for the District of Arizona, then in the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, and then Assistant Attorney General of Arizona. In 2014, he announced his candidacy for Attorney General of his home state and then won that election by a six-point margin, beating the Democrat with nearly 53% of the vote. In his time as our AG, Brnovich was an outspoken critic of the Obama administration while it was still there and then became a pretty decent ally for the Trump administration until at least the 2020 election came, when he had a little bit to pick with the former president. As we know, Arizona certified its election, giving its electoral votes to Joe Biden. Being one of the closest states in that election, Donald Trump challenged the results of that, uh, of that race. But uh, Brnovich and Republican Governor Doug Ducey disagreed with this contesting of the you know electoral vote certification in Arizona. So... Um, Instead of, you know, also supporting Trump, Brnovich and Doug Ducey sat with Democratic Secretary of State Katie Hobbs when they certified the Arizona presidential election for Joe Biden. This has really angered Donald Trump in the last few months with the former president calling Brnovich lackluster and saying that he's, quote, done little so far on voter integrity and the 2020 presidential election scam, end quote. I'll get into this stuff later and its implications later into the episode, but Brnovich has a bit of an uphill battle when it comes to earning that all-important Trump endorsement. It may not necessarily be helpful in a guaranteed close general election, but it will definitely pay off in a Republican primary. So that's a look at the candidates. Uh, We'll take a closer look into this race after the short break. All right, so I'm back. Um, In the intro, I said that this race is really hard to predict because of the two main leading candidates for this race. We understand the former Republican landscape of Arizona, so seeing an incumbent Democratic senator running for for his first full term and a not-so-loyal Trumpist on the ballot really gets you thinking a lot more than most other Senate elections would. Former President Donald Trump has said that he'll be playing an active role in the 2022 midterms. So should Brnovich win the Republican nomination, it'd be interesting to see how this race shapes up because with Trump's involvement, unlike most states, I think there will be three different forces running the politics of that election. 
Now, as we remember from my Florida episode, when I try to make a prediction on a Senate race, I take a look at three of the biggest factors that I feel are definitely going to have a large impact on any election. One, the factor of the incumbency and support of the party. Two, the factor of fundraising and money. And three, polling. These three factors play a large role in understanding the climate of an election and how things stand and where things stand and where you can expect things to go. So let's take a look at factor number one, the incumbency and support of the party. As I say, in any election, the starting chips must always be given to the office holder when they are on the ballot. This is because they have a number one, they have Number one, a track record of winning. And number two, no matter how many times they've run, they have access to funding from organizations that can help them out a lot that have already done so. Mark Kelly, the Democrat, is the incumbent. So let's give the first chips to him. He's managed to garner significant attention from both sides of the political spectrum in Washington, I'd say. Mainly because of his moderate politics. The thing with Mark Kelly is that he is a he is a real middle of the line moderate Democrat. And while you know they're not very popular amongst progressives, Mark Kelly has this sort of appeal that manages to just squeeze him into squeeze him in as a friend of the left, but maintains his core principles of the center in a swing state. So he definitely has the upper hand in that aspect. And we can say that and he can say that he's won an election as a Democrat in Arizona. He can say to Democrats that he's worked with Democrats from the left to the center and to Republicans, he can say that he's worked from the center to Republicans on the right. With Mark Brnovich, well, that's a different story. He's currently an incumbent, not a sitting U.S. senator, though. He's the incumbent attorney general. Um, So he kind of starts with a disadvantage. Brnovich needs to tackle two problems at once when it comes to the incumbency thing. Number one, he needs to win a primary. And two, he needs to win an election. Mark Kelly already has the first box checkmarked. Brnovich is probably going to struggle with this first box. As an incumbent, one has to somehow one has somehow appealed to the party's base to be successful and can prove that to the people and to DC politicians. Unfortunately for Brnovich, he's angered Trump and I say this over and over again, the Republican Party is in fact the party of Trump. So if you anger him, well, then you've angered at least some of the base. Brnovich needs to make amends on his dispute with with President Trump if he wants to avoid a tough primary. However, the lack of comments on this agreement from Trump, both Trump and Brnovich, you know, it are not lack of an agreement, but rather lack of comments on this disagreement between Trump and Brnovich. It should bring some concern to his campaign because you need to win a Republican nomination if you want to have a serious, realistic shot at winning. Now let's look at the fact uh, factor two: fundraising and cash. Very important to have money in politics. Either one uses their own money, or they ask the public for support. Mark Culley has done surprisingly well within the last couple of days uh, when candidates released their fundraising numbers of the second quarter to show how much financial support they have. Mark Kelly announced that he raised a whopping $6 million in the second quarter of this year and currently has $7 million cash on hand. That's a lot of money. 
these numbers indicate a strong standing for, for Kelly compared to other Democratic candidates like Val Demings from Florida, who raised $4.6 million, Tim Ryan from Ohio, who raised $2 million, John Fetterman from Pennsylvania, who raised $2.5 million. In terms of these finances, I think Mark Kelly has, a, has the capital to launch a strong campaign for the next three months, at least until the September fundraising numbers. As for Brnovich, he is yet to release his fundraising numbers, and I don't think it's because they're bad. I just think that he announced his campaign about a month ago. Therefore, he's not had as much time to build that fundraising might. So he may not have you, he may have not, you know, super good numbers to show us yet, but we'll still need to see that. Although I am surprised that it um, that there isn't, you know, those 24-hour fundraising numbers. Usually many challengers, they like to announce those numbers because it shows how much instant support they have. Like for Val Demings, within 24 hours, she announced that she raised $1 million for a campaign. Of course, in my research, I may have missed that number, but so far I haven't really found anything on Brnovich's numbers. And then we have the love-hate relationship between polling and politics. It's amazing for me to watch just how people in politics always find it important to pay attention to polling. But when polling is off, everybody says that polling sucks and that we shouldn't be looking at it. It's a waste of time. But then we come back to it again the next election just weeks later. Anyway, since we are early into the campaign, we don't have much in polling, but on 538 OH Predictive Insights, a polling firm that skews just a bit in favor of Republicans with a B to C range rating, released a poll in May that had Mark Kelly leading Brnovich by 10 points, with Kelly having 46% and Brnovich having 36%. Now, do I think these are going to be the results? I do not think that either candidate, either candidate, at least for now, has a realistic chance of winning by 10% in Arizona. No. It's like the Florida poll from last week. We're early into the campaign, so the numbers we have are not going to be the best. We need to wait for more direct polling between the two candidates. Although I can pull up approval ratings, uh, those, give a sec- those give a somewhat good insight into the election, at least for one candidate. According to a poll conducted by Politico, Mark Kelly has an overall 48% approval rating in Arizona, with 41% of his constituents disapproving his work. Decent numbers, I'd say. However, I can't come to a full conclusion because there isn't much readily available data on Brnovich's approval rating. But we'll wait, and whenever those numbers do come out, I'll bring them to you. All right, so compared to the Florida episode... We have a little more data in terms of fundraising, and because more time has passed, we've also gotten to get to know the candidates just a little more. Based on all of the numbers and the realities both candidates are facing, I can't really make a full conclusion on who's winning at the moment, but I can say that purely off of the support from their party and money, Mark Kelly does have somewhat of an upper hand in this race, however high up it is. Mark Brnovich needs more time, or maybe, yeah, he just needs more time to introduce himself properly to the people of Arizona and give us fundraising numbers. Regardless of whether whether or not you agree with me, 
This is an election that's not going to take place for a whole year plus more. There's plenty of time for both candidates to screw up, impress voters, talk about issues, and give interviews, and whatever else. In short, this isn't set in stone. So that's all we got for you today. Thank you for joining us. And if you like this episode and want to learn more about the 2022 midterms, then follow our Instagram and Twitter at The Sean S. Show. DM us if you have episode topic suggestions and share this episode and all the others with your friends and family. Thank you for all your support and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you.